Hey gang, I want to make a quick announcement. Since we started this podcast in 2011, only the last 20 episodes have been available on the streaming services. You had to go back to the Podbean app or to the website, howdidigethere.podbean.com to access past the 20, last 20 episodes. Well, gang, big surprise. As of now, the last 100 episodes are available on all streaming sites. That includes the From the Vault episodes. All of the episodes, the last 100 episodes from this episode back are available now on all streaming services, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Stitcher. Go there. It, whichever one you're subscribed to, whichever one you use the most, go subscribe to How Did I Get Here. Follow us, rate us, leave us a comment if you can, and, uh, and check out the episodes, man. Get out there and enjoy the last 100 episodes of How Did I Get Here on your favorite streaming services. Let's get down. Gang, for over a year now, I've been talking about True Hemp Science Full Spectrum CBD oils and how they've reduced my anxiety and helped me get better sleep without waking up feeling foggy and confused. I've also talked about the Full Spectrum CBD bombs that relieved my hand pain last year and made playing piano and guitar much easier. Well, gang, today I'm going to tell you about True Hemp Science organic gummies made with full spectrum hemp oil that are available now. They come in two different gauges. There are five, uh, 50 milligram ones that have 50 milligrams of CBD and 1.5 milligrams of THC. Then there are ones that are 100 milligrams of CBD and 5 milligrams of THC. Absolutely delicious uh, lemon lime slash orange flavors and also watermelon black cherry flavors. Super, super delicious. Now, now, they also have a complete line of full-spectrum CBD products, including oils, tinctures, skincare lotions, sports rubs, chocolates, gummies, all kinds of stuff. Well, gang, How Did I Get Here has teamed up with True Hemp Science to bring you a very special offer that benefits all of us. Spend $100 or more at TrueHempScience.com and you will get a free gift. Just enter the code HDIGH at checkout. There's a little code place there for you to enter it. H-D-I-G-H and you will get a free gift with purchase. That's right. Go to TrueHempScience.com and balance your body and mind with True Hemp Science. Let's get down. You gotta open the vault. Open my vault? Open your vault. Once I open the vault, it ceases to be a vault. You have no choice. I the vault. Hello, I'm Johnny. I'm your host. Welcome to another episode of How Did I Get Here from the Vault, where we reach back into our vault of well over a thousand episodes, pull one out, shine it up, and re-release it just in case you missed it or in case you want to hear it again. Gang, today we go back to November of 2021 with Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, go-go, just all-around rock and roll legend, Kathy Valentine. Yeah, man. Uh, she came on the show right after they had been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, after the Go-Go's uh, documentary had come out earlier in 2021. And of course, her amazing memoir that came out right at the dawn of the pandemic. That's when it was released. The last time that I saw Kathy, we actually talk about it in this thing, before the pandemic and everything went down, was probably like a week before lockdown or two weeks we got together. She gave me a copy of her book. We had some lunch, started talking about her coming on the podcast, and then boom, everything was shut down. I remember during that time, she was like, should we wipe our hands after we go up and get drink refills? Like, are we supposed to be, you know what I mean, when they were doing the sanitation stuff? Anyway, 
Uh, that's what was going on back then. I don't know if you saw the Go-Go's documentary that came out on Showtime uh, in 2021, but it's amazing. Uh, really in-depth in depth look at the Go-Go's. And of course, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We have a great conversation about that, about meeting Paul McCartney, about what it's like to play at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, about uh, just her memoir, what she had done after she released her memoir. I know I've talked to her over the last few months and she is embarking on another book. I don't know exactly if it's a memoir or not, but she's working on it. She's got a WordPress that she's very active on and you can subscribe on that. I think it's WordPress where she writes, you know, blogs like old school blogging, but she's such an amazing writer. And, uh, and it's really exciting to read all that stuff. Go to kathyvalentine.com or go to, uh, yeah, go to kathyvalentine.com and you can get links to all that stuff. Get out there and read her stuff. Anyway, uh, this was a great conversation. I got a little bit emotional because we started talking about the book and some of the things that she's been through in her life. It's an incredibly honest book and everything. And I got a little bit emotional because when you know what, that one of your friends has gone through something so heavy and has turned it around and, and made such an amazing life for themselves, it kind of wells up your emotions. But uh, I love Kathy Valentine and this is just a fantastic conversation. Very celebratory things that opened back up. Rosie had just come into my life so she was running around during the podcast. And uh, yeah, man, without further ado, from episode 1113 this is me and rock and roll legend kathy valentine let's get down how did i get here from the vault i don't have serious time our years apart are split aside i can tell you The original time we met, like, was that at the beginning of March when we got together at Torchies and you gave me your book? Did we get together at Torchies? Yeah, but I remember it was the beginning where, like, we went to Torchies and it was empty. Yeah, and we were like, "Oh, make sure you make make sure you sanitize your hands." <laughs> but it was like before you started wearing masks and before everything oh, closed. Yeah, I, felt, I feel like it was the week before. Yeah, that's when my book came out. Was like it was the last day of March, so I yeah. would have had some ahead of time. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and then and then you were like, "Oh, well, we got this documentary." Well, let's do it when the documentary comes out. What get together the, and yeah, talk. do do a yeah, podcast. Yeah, it was going to be the book and then the documentary. Yeah, yeah, and then we were just. I don't know. I I feel like I've been. Have you had people besides me on as much as me? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I'm a, a repeat few. offender. You're a repeat here. offender. Yeah. <laughs> Regular. But we do have things we haven't gone over that are big stuff. Huge. We did talk about my book, didn't we? Oh, Not no, on the show. No, we talked, you know, when we talked about your book was at that thing that we did at uh, at Native Hostel. Oh. And you were writing it. Oh, okay. Yeah. But so much has happened mm-hmm. since then. I guess let's cover the, 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 most, the most pressing is congratulations. Thank you. That is amazing. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I watched some bootleg versions on the of the induction on the uh, on on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, the HBO version is tomorrow. Saturday, yeah. It's wait, tomorrow or Saturday. Wait, Saturday, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm excited about that. Are you? Uh, I'm going to go see the Stones oh, on Saturday. 
Okay. So, uh, I mean, I was there. I'll, I'll see it eventually, <laughs> but, you know, for all I know, they've, like, edited out stuff. They're like, I hope they don't. I hope they... Hey, Rosie. Rosie, you're licking my belly button. What that happens... Rosie, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Rosie, come here. Rosie. <laughs> that is just weird, She'll Rosie. chill out in a second. Yeah. She's got her... Um, I mean, okay, so this has been a long time coming. And there was there was one thing that I learned from the documentary was that you guys, <laughs> number one, Rosie, Rosie. Boundaries. Rosie, down, yeah. Hang on a second. Oh, it's okay. I know. She just wants to be loved. She just lost her mom this week. I like her. Can she sit in my lap? She's too big, right? She wants to. She sat in my lap at my grandma's house the other day, and it was kind of weird. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's the best I'm way. I'm used to like a little 10-pound dog. I know. Are you, uh, yeah, how is Tux? He's good. Yeah? Yeah, he's hanging in there. He's, how old is he now? He's 12. Wow. But he's like a little pup at heart. Yeah. Those yeah. little dogs, they go they go for a while. Yeah. I mean, he's got some issues, but so like murmur, heart murmur. Apparently uh. it's common with little dogs. Mm. Um, all right, so... How was everybody doing? Because it's been a tumultuous decade for the Go-Go's. And yeah. that's, that's been documented, so it's okay. Yeah, to... yeah. I mean, that's one thing. Like, there it's... was a lot of uh, the response to us getting in was like, oh, it's about time. And we even have a T-shirt that says about effing time. Right, you know? right. And, and I just keep thinking it's actually a really good time. You yeah. know, if it had happened 10 years ago and then, like, I got fired Right, like that right, would just be right. weird. Yeah. So it seems like, um, and then I got back in. I don't know. It just feels like it happened at a really good time. A lot of the dysfunction and toxicity and issues and betrayals and hurt feelings and uh, backstabby and all that kind of negative aspects. Which I don't mean to make it sound like that's all there was. There's obviously you couldn't subsist on just that. So. There was obviously lots of really good times too, but most of the negative aspects of the band seemed to have chilled out quite a bit. And I think it was a really good time to get this honor because I don't think anything else short of, you know, long old age shit is going to happen to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. That's my nice way of saying dying and <laughs> yeah. getting sick. I don't think anything bad is gonna is left to happen. Right? How? Uh, I, I just must be. It's been four decades. Like you joined the band on New Year's Eve of, or you played your first gig on New Year's Eve of nineteen eighty 1980 to nineteen eighty one, right? Yeah, and you know what's weird? Like when when I wrote my book, like I was so surprised to see like how things that I thought were months and months apart when I like, when I would do research and document my, my timeline and my, my sequence and my chronology, I was amazed at how short everything was. And I was reminded of that again today because Carla Olson, who I was in the text tones with posted a photo saying this day in 1980, the, the text tones were playing in Lubbock. And I'm like, so I was still in the band at the end of November 1980, and by the end of December 1980, I was playing with the Go Go's. Right. So I didn't even with writing my book and doing all my research, I didn't realize that that um, it had been such a small gap of me leaving the Textones, not knowing what I'm doing, and then right. 
Yeah, so that happened very quickly. Yeah, because the way that it's laid out in the in the documentary and even in the book is that there was this period of time and you were like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. But that was obviously just a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently. I mean, I knew everything was more condensed when I was writing the book, but... Um, and I guess there's always the possibility that this was wrong. But anyway, yeah, no, I, I thought it was a little bit more than s- six weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when you you were up there accepting, I, I, all I can think is when I was watching those weird like side phone videos of the show and stuff is just what did it mean to like look over at everyone? And in those moments, you know what I mean? That, that they kind of like... Well, we went through a lot together in the couple of days leading up to it because there was times where it felt intimidating. There was times where I think we all at different times were worried about, you know, there was times where you feel like a little imposter syndrome, a little bit of, you know, and like when Carol King was being inducted, you know, Charlotte and I just looked at each other like, you know, what the fuck? What are we doing right, here right. with Carol King and T- right. Tina Turner? Right. And so we, I think we had kind of gone through in a couple of days and in the, you know, just feeling, you know, nervous, afraid, unworthy, excited, anticipate, like all this stuff. And to get that swell of like going on stage together and the whole place is on their feet. Yeah. We... For me, it was like, oh, okay, I can play three songs now. Everybody's, and it was largely due to Drew Barrymore. Her induction, her speech was, you know, she did a really good job of making everybody, and I hope they keep it all in the TV uh, version, because she did a great job, I think, of, without explicitly saying this, but she kind of told everybody why we mattered, even though we might not have had as many hits as some people or as many sales as other people, she made it really clear as to we had a huge effect, not only on her life, but a lot of people's lives. Yeah. So you can't really equate sales and hits to the reason a band right. has influence. That's the argument that people would make. Why is the uh, Velvet Underground in there? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So I, um, I felt like she did that so well yeah. that she... For uh, when we went out on stage, the whole arena, a sold out arena, was on its feet. And to have that right when you really need it, that swell of confidence and like, yeah, this is going to be good. And I know that we all felt it. Right. You know? So that was nice. And then there's a photograph. Uh, well, this happened and it is photographed that at one point after we all did our little speeches and um we there's we just kind of hugged on the stage and it's just like this it says the photo that i've seen of it speaks a thousand words yeah and then we looked up and we saw drew and we brought her into our little huddle hug so yeah it was it was really meaningful she was like six yeah when she that's what i was trying to do the math because i was like oh that's like the year before et came out Mm -hmm. She, she didn't even have front teeth yeah, she and there's photos of her like dressed up like a little Belinda. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, you know uh, what I was thinking. Sorry to interrupt. You, uh, the fact that 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 this uh, that you guys achieved this thing the the most successful all female that you play your instruments and you write your songs 
but it hasn't been repeated. No, I know. That's fucking sad. It's a numbers game, and, you know, this is what I keep remembering and and trying to put out into the world that, you know, say you have 2,000 bands starting on a given day. Right. And... 1975 of them are guys. Right. And 25 of them are females. Right. The possibility percent of those numbers of right. having the goods, having the charisma, having the talent, having the songwriting chops, having the the longevity, having right. the stick to it is teeny. Yeah. So if your little pool of bands is that are women is small, you know, there might not be one in that pool of women that has, you know, the elements to make it into a Green Day or a Foo Fighters right. or a, you know, Imagine Dragons or a, I'm just trying to think of bands. Right. It's hard to even think of bands these <laughs> days. Um, and so there are so many women musicians, and I always talk about this in interviews too. You can go on YouTube and just type in females that shred. Yeah. And you will see hundreds of girls sitting in their bedrooms just like shredding away on the guitar or on the drums. You'll see them on Instagram. And I'm like, well, that's great. Go start a band. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But bands are a pain in the ass, as you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you you guys have lasted 40 years despite all of the things. And um, through watching the documentary and through reading your book, there's a couple of things like there were these weird, like the the publishing issue in the Go-Go's seems to be like uh, somebody that got cancer and it keeps going into remission. But then every once in a while, they're like, fuck, it came. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it has it that became, feeling to the, it. The, the issue became the sixth member. Yeah, yeah. Or it became like a cancer that went into remission and we could still have a lot of good times and work and function. But every now and then it's just like, Oh fuck, it's back. Yeah. Anybody that's listened to this, that's been in a marriage or something, there is like a thing that is almost like a deal breaker, but they keep coming up and you keep pushing them down and like, well, you know (laughs) what? Yeah. Uh, Gina has a book out called made in Hollywood and it's a book of photographs, archival stuff. And, um, and essays, either by her or by people. I wrote the foreword, and she's been doing tons of press for her book. It's cool to see her get all this attention, and, and you know, she has a lot of advantages. Like, it's her book is more about the Go-Go's. It's not right. the bass player with a memoir. Her right. book came on the heels of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I love seeing that. She, but she is not shying away from that has been a, a thorn in her side for yeah. many years. And she's talking about it freely and openly, which I think is the next best thing to having it not be an issue. You yeah. know, if you get to, to air your gripes yeah. in public, it's, you know. She also, in some ways, you know, had uh, the last laugh in her situation where she did end up writing songs. Yeah, for she other ended people. up like writing songs for like Miley Cyrus yeah. and Selena Gomez. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, not every song I write is a go go song, right, you know? Right. I, I, when we get into the book, I've got so much to talk about that soundtrack because. Oh, thanks. I, before we get into it, let me just say uh, there's. 
you did that by yourself, the soundtrack? Yeah, I had, um, there was two outside players I used, and one was on a, a country-tinged yeah, yeah. song, then I got Denny Freeman to play the Merle song? Lap Steel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay, and I was then, wondering who did and that. And then one, I was always a fan of Nick Curran, and he passed away at 35, and uh, one time he did a session at my house, and it, I, to my knowledge, it never came out, but I had this whole song with Queen him Bees? like playing guitar oh. so i took first of all i contacted his mother and said would it be okay if i used and i just i went through it and just kind of grabbed pieces and put it in the song and queen bees yeah just because i don't know i just wanted to kind of give him a chance to play on like if he'd been alive maybe that's I, awesome maybe i would have uh been able to invite him over to play yeah but, but since he wasn't but mostly i did it myself i just i like i like working by myself well, it's it. There's uh, like sonically, it's different than anything you've ever. There's never drum machine stuff going on, and like you know, kind of like even like some little funky jams and stuff that you were doing. Yeah, it was a blast to make. I mean, talk about like just having no boundaries and no rules and no committee and no nothing. Like even if you're doing a solo record, you want it to sound like songs. Yeah. You know, with, yeah, yeah, with yeah, choruses yeah. and bridges. Uh, yeah, you and, can't, you can't not. Yeah, you know. but if it's a soundtrack, it doesn't even really have to fit any format. It could just be. I could have just made a beat and and recited, you know, poetry from prose yeah. from the book. I and could you have done, I could do whatever I wanted. You yeah, know? there's some spoken word stuff on there, and it it's and really so that cool. That was a blast. It was really creative and freeing, and I enjoyed it so much, and was impressed myself a yeah. lot like just with um some of the bass i've always been disparaging of my bass playing i've always said you know i'm the perfect bass player in the go-go's i i do a great job with that but i don't know if i could be anybody else's bass player right but there was some bass stuff on this soundtrack that i was like whoa that's really good yeah and even like keyboards you know that yeah i can't play keyboards but you know with the magic of pro tools you figure out the chord, play the chord, record it. Yeah. Find the next chord, play it, record <laughs> it. And then it sounds like you're just going. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. There's a, there's a feeling of that in it. Like that's a palpable sort of like. Yeah, there's, I'm having fun. Yeah. Now, lyrically, every once in a while you get kicked in the nuts. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, there was, I just started writing down these, these songs when I was listening to it today. Uh, um, just do it. Like, I mean, yeah, it's everyone, hard to listen to. Yeah, everyone tells me that when they hear that song, and I've had people say they had to turn it off. I, I, it's uncomfortable, yeah. especially when you know and care about this, the person yeah. saying that, you know, and just the. And I sound so young when yes. I'm singing it. It's like it's almost like I'm channeling like. 14-year-old me. The helplessness. I don't sound like a grown woman. No. Yeah. No. It was crazy. And when I wrote that one and was doing it, it, it kind of opened the, the, it was a conduit to grieving, which I'd never done. Even writing about it in the book didn't open that channel to grieve. It was just like, write about this and it happened and write about what it was like. But it didn't make me grieve. But the music did. It's like there's something I think music can tap into feelings. You know, I tried to do it with my writing. And I did a lot of the places in the book. But in that particular instance, 
it was that melody. And the first thing I did when I started it was the chorus. And I just played those. And they sounded like that kind of 50s uh, like pr- chord progression and um, girl group kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. That, uh, and that's I cried even for three scarier. Days. Three days. I cried. After, I, I couldn't even finish it. I just kept crying. Every, I would pick up the guitar and go, and I would just start crying. Oof. But um, the uh, and when we did the audio book, yeah, I wasn't doing the songs. But when I did that chapter, everybody that was involved in the recording of the audio book started crying. That's a tough one, man. Yeah, your uh, my aunt got your book when it came out and like was just. Someone that that isn't connected to the Go Go's in any way. She saw us play once. Uh-huh. She met you once, and uh, she thinks the band's cool. But there's no like thing. What her experience with your book is it like an outsider was just like, what a courageous like human being this is. Like oh. on all, it's it's kind of choked me up because as your it's so weird. Sorry, as your friend and knowing you. And then going back and seeing that and seeing who you are and what you were able to overcome and and become is just really moving. Thank you. It really is. And I love you very much. And I think that anybody that reads that book walks away loving you very much. Wow. That's nice to to really hear. I just just did a book club the other night because... You can't do a lot to promote your book when it's been out a year and a right, half. Right. So I kind of do whatever I can just to kind of keep whatever little buzz going. And I did a book club, and a lot a lot of the women were saying things like that and were emotionally moved. And that's like all you really want when you're creating something is to connect with someone and have them you know, relate to it and either be inspired right. or feel like they get a little strength from it, you know, or, yeah. or relate to their own having to overcome stuff. And it's, it's so, uh, it's just incredibly rewarding to have succeeded in that. Right. And I'm, that's why I'm grateful to UT Press because I believe any other publisher would have come back saying, no, we want the dirt. We yeah. want to know more right, about right, the sex right. and the drugs right, of the right, go-go's right. and spill the dirt, spill the... And I was really happy with my publisher because they were more interested in the story that I wanted to write. And that was what I wanted to write. Like, yeah. what it... I wanted to process, you know, everything. Right. And, you know, what's interesting is in a sea of... Because there is a... Fu- even on my Kindle... <laughs> like my audiobook subscription is just like the Paul Stanley book, the Steve Gorman book, you know, this guy's book, your book. Yours stands out uh above it on two levels. A the the material and sort of like where you went personally. Uh and then also just you are such an amazing writer. Like thank you. Yeah, that was another one of those when I was reading, I was like Jesus, I'd go back and like start like double checking emails I sent you before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I've had people say like, "Well, who was the ghostwriter?" Like nobody. But um, I mean, there's parts that I even now like I would do a little differently that I thought, "Oh, that's a little cliche or that's a little much, that's a little over the top." But I'm really proud of it. Yeah, really proud of it. And 
It was a strategy, too. I mean, I don't mean to, again, I use the word disparage. I'm not disparaging myself, but I'm very practical. I don't have a problem seeing things as they are. And I knew that I am not the big star of the band. I'm not a big star of any band. I'm not a big star, period. I mean, if I could go on anywhere, it's any, like, big event with, like, 10,000 paparazzis, and not one of them would say... Kathy Valentine, this way, this way, over here. Yeah. Like, and it's okay with me. I don't, I don't want to be a big star, but that means if you're writing a memoir that your writing better be freaking good. Yeah. You know, because a lot of the best memoirs, they're not big stars. You know, they're not the, the lead singer of the band. Not everybody, you know, can be that. So if you're going to write a memoir, if you're not like one of these exalted celebrities that people just want to a little tiny window right. into anything about you then so for me i knew it had to be well done it yeah. had to be written well yeah. and it had to be relatable on a human level yeah because really who gives a fuck about the bass player right. really right you know right yeah that was what my aunt connected with like a, a person's human story and you just happened to get this really cool ass job yeah in yeah. the middle of it and uh i think a lot of gogo's fans who are not there's most Go-Go's fans are not Kathy Valentine fans. And that's cool with me too, you know, and the ones that were excited about my book. I mean, the most gripes I got were from Go-Go's fans. Like, not why Go-Go didn't you stuff. do that? Talk about this. And yeah. why didn't you talk yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah. I'm like, cause it's my story. I'm not <laughs> right. writing the history of the Go-Go's. Right. Um, so wait, back to the music. There was another thing that I wanted to say, because there's, there's, these songs obviously are so personal. We talk about uh, Just Do It. And there's others. There's the, uh, it's the one I've got, the camouflage about that horrible uh, the robbery. robbery. Yeah, yeah. Where, yeah. Charlie was there and Carlene Carter. Carter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that song. I, that one, me too. I, yeah, I, I love the chord progression. It gets a little dramatic when I'm doing the the actual invasion part, but you know. I mean, when the context <laughs> of the book, it's you know. I mean, that was a harrowing. But I'm doing like the voices, like. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. Did you ever down. second guess that while you were doing it? Like, no, no, not till afterwards. Okay. I was like, mm, maybe that one's a little over the top, but the music's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but what I was thinking is like you know you we we go through we, we write personal songs and we there's a there's metaphors and there are things that take it so that it's not as like the focus isn't directly on us just kind of like on this situation yeah yeah because it's difficult to reveal all this stuff but I remember when uh, a while back like six or seven years ago when I did that thing at uh, at. Strange Brew, it's not here anymore, but you came and did a solo show. <laughs> I remember afterwards, you're like, I'm never doing one again. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, that was your first one to play like that. But you played this, uh, the Hang Into My Closet song, which you had played for me before on a recording that you did. Yeah. But like, that was the first song of yours I ever heard that I was just like, like this is extremely real. Yeah, this is, I've, I've been doing some speaking things lately and um you know i would just try to find I'm, I'm still like kind of honing the messages that i can bring to an audience but i really enjoy doing it and uh one thing i was telling a, a group that i spoke with last month was that um 
like how songwriting is such a, a form of therapy for me. And I was saying like in, in my, while I was going through my breakup and divorce, I knew that I had to like be okay for Audrey, for my daughter. And so when she, she was like seven years old and I'm like, like just devastated, but if I've, I had to be okay in front of her. So she, as soon as she went to bed, I would go in my closet and fall apart. And then I would write a song about going <laughs> in my closet and falling apart. So yeah, I mean, I have, I have songs that will probably never hear the light of day or, you know, but. Well, that's another song that you catch yourself singing it, but then you, you're like, think of the words and you're like, Oh God, this is really But it's kind of a, still an optimist. It's like saying, I'm in my closet falling apart, but yeah. I'm okay. I'm not going to kill myself. Right, right. I mean, because there's like, and it's all true. There was like bullets that I'd hidden in a boot because my dad gave me a gun and, and I put the bullets in a boot. So just so they would never be close to the gun. I've never right, shot right, the gun or right. know anything about even how to put a bullet in a gun. But for some reason I had both items. And, right. So that's a line in the song, you know, the the gun. Right. Yes, I forget what it is. Yeah. So it was it's all true. Well, I mean, imagine it's been 7 years since I've heard it and it's still like, you know what I mean, like impacted me in some way. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Um yeah, songs writing songs has been like such an aid, such a tool, you know, and Sometimes I pick up the guitar and I'm sobbing. I'm sobbing and I'm like, <laughs> and I got the notebook and I got yeah. the guitar and it's like, <laughs> oh, that's kind of good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like all of a sudden you're like, you've shifted. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been writing like since that? I mean, like what? Like Lately, in- not enough. I, I, I got into a thing. I, I was... You know, with recording, you you lo- you don't use it, you lose it. So if I go too long without using my Pro Tools software, I start, like, forgetting how to do this, yeah, and yeah. I have to, like, spend all this time looking shit up, which yeah. takes you out of the creativity. Yeah. So I try to just kind of keep my chops up. So I decided to do a cover of Beneath the Blue Sky, which is a song I wrote with the Go-Go's, with Jane, that I just thought... I mean, to me, songs are like little properties, and sometimes they're fixer-uppers, and sometimes yeah. they need remodeling, and sometimes they need a better foundation or a new roof. And yeah. so I, to me, any song that has my name on it is is property that I get to do anything I want to with it. Right. So I rewrote some lyrics and added some lyrics and did that, and then I liked it. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool getting to do a song without the committee, Right, you know, which is right. what the band is. The right. band is the committee shooting down your ideas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and you're just like, well, that's a good idea, you know, fuck yeah. you. But then you, you want to be in a band, so you just go, okay, we'll do it your way. And um, so after that, I had the idea to do We Don't Get Along as a duet. And uh, I did that song. So All I right, need to, I want Yeah, with yeah, Brett yeah, Miller. Yeah. So, and that was really fun. And there's a couple others I would like to do, go-go songs, but um, I would like to write something original, too. And here's my idea. Since I had so much fun doing the soundtrack to the memoir, 
my my big dream is for my next book to be a collection of literary fiction short stories uh-huh. with a soundtrack that accompanies each one. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, and then I would like to do a sequel to the, to the memoir, but um, I just don't want that to be the next book because then it's like, oh, there's that Kathy Valentine just writing about memoir her life too. again. Yeah. <laughs> this memoir. Um, so I, it, it would be cool to do that and um, a big challenge, a big goal. And I think uh, the soundtrack would just be fun. I liked it. Yeah. Was your, the soundtrack to your book is the only one really like that, right? Um, I've That's... looked up, people have told me that other people have done it, musicians. Mm-hmm. But when I've checked it out, it seemed like they just released a record at the same time. Right. Like, I don't, I don't know that anyone has done it. Because that's it. That I mean, a sound like where they actually start from scratch with a finished book, using the book as the source material. Right. I don't know of anyone that's done it. I thought it was genius, and I thought it would get a lot more like attention for it, but. The way things are now, that you're lucky to get attention at all for anything, yeah. much less asking for people to give you two things of attention. Right. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> you know I what I mean? That. Yeah. <laughs> this weird attention era we live in. <laughs> yeah. Like there's just yeah, and yeah, it's hard rising above the everybody. You know, everybody has something to to get out there. Yeah. Competing for eyes and ears. Did you? Uh, because I've. Uh, so many people had so many. Uh, didn't didn't even Howard Stern fell in love with your book? Yes, and uh, he still. I still get like people contacting me saying, "Howard talked about your book again today." Now I'm just that girl from the Go Go's, or that the Go. Like he doesn't put my name to it anymore, yeah. but he still talks about it. There was something that I saw during COVID when I would do like some YouTube, just like rabbit holes it might have been one time when we were gonna get together that i just started watching like everything i could find that i might have never seen and there was like jane and belinda oh on his on show the, yeah when he's offering About belinda ten thousand oh, dollars to, to, have sex. to have sex and then that was like, like really awkward to watch i just saw that recently too and i was like her body language like when he starts bringing it up it's like stop talking about like stop doing that no i don't know what see i would never go when i don't blame you, know, you. we were always invited yeah and I never wanted to go, but he—I think he's really grown up a lot, oh, yeah. changed a lot. Yeah. But that—that would have been—I wouldn't have been as good-natured about it as they were, and yet uh, they were—they were good-natured about it. But at the same time, they weren't—it wasn't that funny. None of it was funny. No, it wasn't funny, and and uh, it was a screaming example of. Of women in this business, yeah, like we're we're on this huge radio. You didn't show. say that I to Richard is... Marks. You know what I mean? Yeah, offer Richard Marks ten thousand dollars to have sex with you. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just kind of like what? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, awkward. It was, and it's mainly it's just not funny or entertaining. No. Like who could be entertained by that? Because it went on and on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, didn't I don't even, even watch know the whole if it thing. went. Yeah, I got tired yeah. of it. Yeah. That's funny. I remember. I remember back then when that show was on E, and I would get. I I remember watching it with my ex wife Tracy, and just like after a little while, like it's just like it's just I can't do it anymore. Yeah. It's just one joke, <laughs> or one 
yeah. thing, one sentiment. So, but, but when all these people were coming, like when your book came out and you started getting all this feedback, I mean, did it just blow your mind? I mean, because you really went out on a, on a limb, like, you know, I mean, all the stuff about your mom in the book and all of, you know, the honesty about the go-go's and all. I mean, there's a lot of parts of it. Like when you're, when I was writing it, I was focused on only two things that I was writing well, you know, that it was the best I could do. And sometimes when I would go back and read something, I would say like, well, this is good writing, but it's not memoir. It's not deep enough. It's not uh, pulling feelings out of me and putting on the page enough. And I would redo it trying to just dig deeper and harder. (coughs) So I was focused on whether it was the best writing and I was focused on making sure I did enough that I would finish, you know, that I didn't just, and that's all I thought about. I never really worried about it being in the world and people reading it. And by the time I did think about that, it was too late. Yeah. Like when it came, when it was coming out, I was like, Oh shit. You know, and I started feeling a little cringy and weird, Yeah. you know, just and worried like, Oh, are like anti is going to like just harass me all the time. Like anti-abortion people or, you know, am I just going to get harassed and are people just going to zero in on the, like this is salacious parts. So I was really happy when the main thing that people seemed to focus on was the writing. Right. That's made me really happy. Yeah. And, and, um, and just the... I get so much spam now. I know. It's insane. So, yeah, I, I was excited. I mean, and I'm also... I like to say this because I have this attitude... I'm just like so always like I feel like anything could happen. Like, I mean, when I wrote the book, I really thought, why wouldn't it get on the New York Times bestseller list? It didn't. But to me, like, why not? Maybe it could. Maybe I could, you know. Yeah. And that didn't happen. But I, what I like is that I thought it could happen. Yeah. Like, that it was possible. Like, yeah. I thought I did a good enough job that it could have landed there. Yeah. And that's a cool thing. And that's part of the message I like to put out to people is that when you do things in the arts, whether it's, you know, a play or a painting or a poem or a song or a record or a book or whatever – you know, like we were just saying, getting people to pay attention may or may not happen. Yeah. And the sooner you can get to the place where you're just really proud of it. Yeah. And happy with what you did. Yeah. Man, the less frustrated you'll get. Because I know people and they just live in that are artists and they just live in this perpetual state of frustration because they're, they don't get the attention or the notice, i.e. Yeah. The, su- the success. And you could say, oh, that's easy for you, Kathy Valentine. You, right. You've been successful. But only in the Go-Go's. Right. I've never had anybody pay attention to anything I did yeah. outside of the Go-Go's. And I've done every minute of every day since I've been an adult trying to do something, either being in a band, making records, writing songs. So it was nice for my book to get that. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So you get my point. It's like, it's nice. Like I can sit there and go, I'm really proud of that. Yeah. I'm really proud of this. Do you, uh, do you think that like the fact that, that there was this weird pandemic and everyone was home gave them the chance to really be able to dig into it in that way? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe, 
I don't know. I don't, that's all I... I wonder about that, just like releasing music during that time and stuff like that. Like, I bet, I wonder if people are actually like listening now because they don't, <laughs> they don't have anything. So many people didn't have anything to do. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that created more readers or not. Right. You know? um, the, the book events that I tried to do and the... the um, the zoom things and interviews you know i i think they would have been better in person yeah because i i've had the chance to do a couple of appearances and man they were so good in person like i'm good at it i'm good with i'm comfortable talking i i make it i can suit it to the the crowd i i and the it makes me kind of like bummed out like well i didn't get to do that you know right right well i mean you'll probably get to do it again for your short stories book i mean if i yeah i hope so it's it's motivating yeah it's very motivating to like okay let's do it again how does that work though like when you get a book deal like do you do like okay well this one did well okay well let's see the short stories or well ut press i don't think would do a a a literary short story collection i would probably have to go the route that most writers have to go. I was really spoiled and lucky with my book because I had a book deal and I knew that it was going to get published. That's like, you know, making a record knowing that a label is going to put it out. Yeah. It's like, it's okay, let's get to work. Yeah. And if, it, if you don't have that, you're just like, okay, let's get to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make this album, see what happens. So, uh, so I'm in that spot with my writing. I have to like, okay, let's get to work. Yeah. Because I don't have a book deal for that. Now, I'll have a little... I, what I want to do is um, submit some stories for literary... For um creative writing program, um, MFA, graduate school. Okay. Because I graduated in May from St. Edwards. Oh, congratulations. I got a degree. Oh, yeah. Didn't you have like a couple of... I had just a couple of credits to go. And when the pandemic happened, I'm like, oh, I might as well get a degree, finish school. So um, now the best thing about it is that I can apply to, to MFA programs. And the best thing about that is that you have to write because yeah. you're in school. And they're going to say, turn in a short story or turn right, in right. this. And the best thing about that also is that I would have a graduate degree and be employable if... Um, if I need a job, you know, I'm not set for life. The Go-Go's aren't going to be touring in eight years. <laughs> what if I need a job, you no, know? I'm sorry. I just, I flashed to, I listened to whenever it was you did the Bob Lefsitz podcast. <laughs> his, I love his like, so what percentage does your accountant get? You know, those kind of questions are hilarious. <laughs> did he but say I remember that? His, I, no, I remember his set for life. There was like a set for life era. Like, Yeah, so... And I don't know, like, you know, how how much money it's going to eat up of my nest egg to take care of my mom, you know? I don't know. So I want to make sure I'm kind of wired. Like, people that read my book, there's two takeaways, and a, a lot of people are like, oh, your mom, you know, really didn't do a good job. But from my point of view, she might not have done a good job, but one of the results was that my I'm wired to feeling like it's my job. It's my job to take care of myself. Right. Mom's not going to do it. Dad's right. not going to do it. Right. Nobody's going to do it but me. So th- with that kind of wiring, it's kind of a good way to feel in this world. Like I'm 62 and I'm thinking like, okay, 
go goes, you know, got the, got a one hit song, blah, right. blah, blah. You know, how many times can it be in Spider-Man? Probably not ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how am I going to, you know, so that's the other good thing about getting a graduate degree. I'm employable. And, um, as far as employable, what would be interesting to you to, to be well, a professor? I would, I would take, what I would do is I would create a syllabus of a class that maybe no one else but me could do. Like, there must be other writers that are musicians. Like, let's do a class about putting soundtracks to your books. Yeah. You know? And so you've got somebody that's an ex-go-go, uh, and a member of, of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame who's written two books yeah and has done a soundtrack to both of them offering a class at wherever usc nyu it just seems kind of cool i could go places and teach for a semester yeah and help people what are those is that adjunct professor no i don't know i haven't gotten that visiting professor yeah yeah Yeah. i uh i just interviewed this really amazing uh professor from nyu and I want to say Princeton, but she does stuff in Germany, like at University of Berlin or something like that, too. She does all this. uh, Cool. There's people that teach like rock and roll courses. I mean, I wouldn't want to do that, but they they have all kinds of. Clifford taught like a blues course, didn't he? Yeah. At UT. So, I mean, you know, there's jobs out there. You just have to tell them why you should do it. And I'm good at that. I'm good at telling people why I should do something. Yeah. Um. this last year, or whatever this experience, like since your book came out, so much has has gone down, like in in so many people's lives. But in your life, you see all this stuff. Like you put out this book, um, the Go Go's did this documentary. I can't remember what the timeline is on everything. You lost one of your best friends, Denny Freeman. Um, your daughter went off to college, and you got in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, it's like a lot of shit. Yeah. Like huge life-changing shit on so many different levels. Yeah, and I've been noticing, because the, the induction ceremony was October 31st, and we're getting towards the end of November, and I've been realizing, like, we knew we were going to get into the Hall of Fame. I think May is when they told us that we were in. So all through May, June, all through the summer, it's been like this like pulsing thing and underneath my life. And so like big things like Audrey moving out and going to college, there was this big thing under it. Like, yeah, you know, well, I got to do this too. So I'm moving her out and this and that. And I come, and then I did like a three week vacation just to kind of not come right home. And then I come home and there's that big pulsing energy isn't there. And so I'm, I'm finding that I'm having to, to kind of come to terms with some of that stuff now. And that means, like, it's a struggle. It means that, like, the other night at 10 at night, I was, like, eating cheesecake in the parking lot at Whole Foods, (laughs) going, like, okay, this is not how you should be dealing. You feel lost. Just, like, trying to be conscious and self-aware, because that's, like, what's the use of being 62 if you haven't learned how to do that, at least? So it didn't stop me from eating the cheesecake in the parking lot, but I was doing it consciously going, maybe next time find some other way Yeah. so you don't have to deal with like... Post-cheesecake guilt? Yeah. <laughs> On top of whatever you're feeling? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I, like, yeah, right. Okay. 
I do that too. I, <laughs> I do it too. I've, I've, uh, I was depressed a few months ago, made like a huge thing of big ZD, like just a huge, like for a family. <laughs> and ate it in like two days like just out of the thing too like i made one bowl but then eventually i just pull out the thing and just eat at the counter yeah i think i think mark Marin is good for like like telling people what he's doing that stuff it kind of always makes me go okay we're all kind of in this boat i still feel kind of the shame of it to before i start talking oh, about it yeah. you know what i mean because you're like <laughs> That's why shame is terrible. That's why I like to just admit it and say it. Because the more I, the more I acknowledge it when it's happening, right before it happens. Because even before it happened, I was saying you probably shouldn't do this. Yeah. You know. And the other day, like I thought, it's like it's just weird how that's my default. You know, like just to like stuff my face. And I was like, went to. It's like I think I need a croissant right now. And I went, and there was like to that Mozart's place, and yeah, yeah. there was like a big line. I was like, "See, the universe is taking care of you, <laughs> even when you can't do it." Because I left, like I don't want it bad enough to wait in a line. You know? Yeah, you made it. Yeah, I made it through that crisis. Um, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Sorry to jump to this, but that you met Paul McCartney. I know. And he said us bass players have to stick together. He did. He Does he said smell that, good? What did Does he, he? Does he smell good? I didn't sniff oh. him. No. <laughs> I didn't sniff. Um, he looks good. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Like, he doesn't have that weird right. cosmetic surgery look. I was some... telling my aunt this the other day. I have cousins that are plastic surgeons, and I watched that, that uh, the thing on Hulu with, uh, with Rick Rubin, and I was like, he has had something done. He must have, yeah. He looks too good, but, but he whoever... doesn't look weird. No. Because I wrote this essay. I, I was looking through my stuff because I feel like, oh, maybe you should try to get some stuff published. And I wrote this hilarious thing I'd forgotten about, about aging. And I do this whole thing about cosmetic surgery. And I'm like, you have two choices. You can look old or weird. Yeah. You know, so... Do you want to look weird? Do you want to look old? And even if you have good surgery, you're still going to look weird because your hands are going to look old and you're, right. you know, something is going to look That's old true. Yeah. with yeah. your face that yeah. you managed to skate by yeah. on not looking weird. Yeah. So it was really funny. But yeah, he looks really good. He looks good. And also, I found myself, because I'm not a very starstruck type person, my, my goal would be like to be friends and hang out. Like, what's the point of saying, oh, I've been a fan since I was four or right, whatever? Right, right, So what? So everybody. Yeah. So so when he introduced his wife, and she was a big fan, he said, I want you to meet my wife. She's a fan of, of the Go-Go's, and, she, and uh, she's my age. And all I wanted to know was, like, well, how did you marry Paul McCartney? Like, how did that happen, you know? <laughs> So, but anyway, no, I, I wasn't able to transition to friend level in the short meet and greet, like no. photo op thing. But I mean, that's like a, that's like a Mount Rushmore guy. Oh yeah. You know? No, it was, it was really good. Yeah. It was good to, to meet him. And he seemed, my impression was that he's very down to earth, that he doesn't want to be gushed over or exalted. He just seemed like. You know, and I said, I, I tried to engage him a little bit because since he said the thing about the bass, yeah, basis, I thought, okay, I'll talk about bass. And I was like, oh, didn't you start out on guitar too? You know, I think it right. makes his play different. And then he kind of like, I lost him. He's like, oh, I like it all. 
Oh, and yeah. then he turned away and like, ah. wrong thing. <laughs> I should have said, I'm friends with Brian Ray, or I should have said, I'm a lefty. Or like you start thinking like all the things you could right. have said just to get that extra human connection. Did you get to meet some other cool people? You met Questlove? Questlove. Gina talked to him more than I did. Uh, I, I love Brandy Carlisle, and she yeah. was awesome. Jennifer Hudson was awesome. Oh, yeah. Angela Bassett. I don't... I'm trying to remember who Did else. Did she induct Tina Turner? Oh, LL Cool J. Loved oh, LL cool. cool J. Yeah. He was awesome. Um, That's a funny thing I about... I didn't get to meet Jay-Z, but when we were on stage... Like he was right in the front. We were doing our speeches. I did one thing that was awesome for me is that Jane suggested a couple of weeks before the ceremony. She wrote an email and said, "I think Kathy should give the main speech. She's a great writer and she has experience in speaking." And I was like, "Oh wow!" And I was like so happy and excited to get to do that. And I think I did a really good job of my speech. And then everybody else kind of just made a very short remark, and yeah. they, we split up the thank yous so that everyone wasn't like, I want to thank my this and yeah, my yeah, that yeah. And, and this. So we just did it real, like, organized. Like, Belinda, Gina thanked our families and the musicians right. without naming a bunch of people. Right, right. But it inspired us. And Belinda thanked some our managers and tour managers, and Charlotte thanked our record company people. And right. So we had it all organized, but so when I did my bit and I was standing there while someone else, I made like full eye contact with Jay-Z and I kind of pointed at him like that and he did that thing. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, like that thing <laughs> where you're beating on your heart yeah. and I was like, that's it, I like that, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's pretty that awesome. Was like, that was the extent, that and Paul and Angela brandy jennifer there was this awesome singer who i wasn't aware of named mickey guyton she is um a woman of color and a country singer so she's got a a road ahead of her wow and she's from waco wow and she was she was awesome she did part of the um she did the tribute to uh tina turner she was one of the performers wow and um we bonded on being from Texas, the Texas gal contingent. <laughs> and it was also cool because Gary Clark Jr. was there. Oh, and that's good. It was really cool to just see a little bit of Austin yeah. there. I'm not good friends with Gary, but it was con- it was just nice to see him and Mike Weed and just see a little bit of home. Yeah, did Gary setting. play or he was just hanging out? No, he played. He did a, a tribute to Charlie Patton. Oh, cool. That's really I didn't cool. see it. We were backstage for that. They take you back. To get you ready and all that. Yeah. Oh, and we had a good interaction with Lionel Richie. It was actually hilarious. We were teasing him that we were glad that there was somebody older than us. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, and then he said, no, we all got to be thankful to Clarence because Clarence Avant got in- right. inducted because in, he's like older than all of us. So that was kind of a funny little. Did you get to see him, Clarence? Is oh, he- yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I saw that documentary on Netflix. It blew I haven't my mind. seen it yet. Yeah, Gina had seen it, so she actually talked to him. Yeah. But I didn't know what to say because I hadn't seen it. It was like, shit, this guy's like responsible for almost everything. Yeah. Like all kinds of stuff that you yeah. wouldn't even think. Yeah. yeah. Watching the speech for him, I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's funny because I've never heard of him when I saw it. Like, it was one of my quarantine. Uh, well, I'll see what this is about, you know. Yeah. It's on my list of things to watch. 
Um, so with the documentary, we didn't really talk much about that. That was a pretty, uh, I thought it was fucking great. Like those things are also like memoirs. Like, you know, some of them can be hit, some of them can be missed. That one was really great. It seemed like it came out during a time of like, then the Bee Gees one come out around the right same time. Right around the same time, and the yeah. Tina Turner I was one like, came out shortly after. We went to a big thing at Universal that they they announce all the stuff that they're going to be releasing. And uh, I remember they there was like this, all these like stars and execs. This was in L.A. like the year before. And so they show like a little trailer of ours. And everybody's like clapping, yay! And then they show the Bee Gees one by that—I forget who made it. Is oh, who's who made the Bee Gees film? I can't remember. He's huge. Yeah. And I was like, wah, wah, like you know. <laughs> but it turned out to to be fine. To yeah. Come out on the heels or before, right before that. There was one thing. There's a uh, in the denouement of the story. There, you. Uh, I wrote it. All, I actually wrote it all down. I can't believe you just used that word. Oh. I figured, Impressed. you know, literary, you might enjoy some me throwing <laughs> I've never heard anyone. I, I've only seen it in print. I don't know anyone that has ever used it. I don't think it. I've used it since eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> so you say this uh, at the end when you're kind of like looking back of, of, of all the things and, and uh, all, all of the things that kind of broke up the Go-Go's. And it's, it's you and you say, uh, we made Belinda feel guilty for being a star and a diva. We made Jane feel like what she needed wasn't important enough for us to even sit down and talk about. We made Gina feel like what she contributed wasn't enough to make as much money as the rest of us. We couldn't see the pain that Charlotte was walking around in. Well, what about you? What was your, what was the thing that they weren't? Because that's what was not happening well, for you. Well, that was also right out of my book. That's in my book, oh, too. Yeah. Okay. And when I was doing my interview, I was... Really, I had a book coming out in a couple, right, right. and I was really, or, and I was like, I don't want to give away my insights. Right, I don't want to right. give away my sound bites, and I, I really don't like my interview in the in the documentary because I'm I'm not comfortable being on camera. Number one, um, I just didn't feel comfortable, and I was really towing like this bout, like what can I say that's good that isn't giving away my book but i in that case i crossed over and that came right out of my book and in my book i think what i refer to as what's the big deal with letting me play guitar on a on an encore or something but i would go beyond that since those were a little bit more deep and just say you know to not feel appreciated and valued is really what it's about and i never felt like anyone valued or appreciated what i brought to the band you know that's what I felt like then. So right, to, right. to have to now it's different, you know, now they will, they, I, it's, it comes out, but at that time, which is what I was talking about right. at that time, I didn't feel like anybody saw anything of value than what I brought. Right. And that's the same thing of all that I'm saying about everybody. And that's the biggest thing I learned from being in that band and maybe any band is that people just want to be recognized and feel like what they bring to the table is appreciated and valued and recognized. That's what people want. Yeah. That's what everybody wants. That's what everybody wants. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's it. It when you just said that that Jane had said like, "Oh, you're a really good writer. You should be the one that makes the main speech." I was like, anyone who read your book or or saw 
the documentary, not just Jane in specific, just the dynamic of the Go-Go's, that someone would actually say that to, to everyone on behalf of someone else. It's you guys growth. have come a long fucking yeah. way. It's, yeah, It really is. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of growth. And, uh, you know, these, these things, these grudges and hurt feelings that, you know, they can go back. It's so much like a, a marriage or a relationship or, or a family because, you know, you hear somebody says, you said this and you're like you you're go- going i don't think i said that and i if i did it i certainly didn't mean it the way you took it and if i did i didn't mean to but it doesn't matter what you, that you did or didn't right. they think you did right they think you tried to hurt him they think you said it on purpose yeah and they carry it around and that's like that's the stuff that needs to get kind of unearthed and uncovered and and give people a pass for things they did when they were 21 or 22 and kind of on this crazy ride. We were all on it together and we weren't very grown up. You know, those are the years that a college student is kind of learning like, okay, you know, if I drink every single night, I might not get a good job when I'm an adult. You know, it's kind of, you have those years in college. Those were our college years, you know? Yeah. And so we weren't learning the lessons of of that bridge into adulthood. We were just staying very, you know, we didn't know how to be compassionate and empathetic and no, your egos were being fed at a time when it they shouldn't be fed like that without yeah, without being able to just weren't developed. I mean, yeah, yeah. brains aren't even del- I mean, female brains aren't fully developed until the age of twenty five, and that's science, you know. Yeah. So I have to remind myself that even with having a teenage daughter, like yeah. when it's when she's doing something that drives me crazy, I'm like, how can this be? Right. And then I'm like, oh yeah, she doesn't have the same brain; it's not developed yet. Right. Um, do you, have people come to you from the book um, and talked about like having like that you your your struggles with alcohol and then doing coke so you can drink more alcohol are are pretty well documented in there and just like that's kind of like where the book ends is your life changes and you get sober um have you gotten a lot of people that that either have are very recently sober or like consider like have you people reached out to you and been like thank you yeah anytime i write about sobriety i get responses and that's one of the reasons i felt confident to write a, a couple of things gave me the confidence that I could write a good memoir. One was that I'd taken a lot of creative writing classes and my teachers were always very complimentary at what I generated. But also, I'm not a big Facebook person, but when I first got on Facebook every year, I would write about my sobriety. Mm-hmm. And every time I did it, I would get hundreds and hundreds of responses where I had really touched uh, some place. So, so those two things gave me courage to write about, to write a memoir. And I knew that, that it was important to write about my sobriety because that's something, sometimes that's the carrying the message. It's like sometimes people just read or hear something yeah. right at the right time. You know, I, when I was drinking, I remember somebody said to me like maybe you have a problem or i i think i thought i did but it kind of just sailed i wasn't it wasn't right. the right time you right know? so when you when it like when you knew you had a problem 
will you ex- tell that part of your story? Like, Well, there was the first time I knew I had a problem. I have the letter. I should have put it in my book. But I wrote a letter to my mom, and I was I, I just moved to L.A. I was 19. And I wrote, I was writing my mom and I was saying, uh, I think I'm drinking too much. I think I could have a problem. So I've decided I'm only going to drink, you know, once a week. Right. So and that was an wine, awareness. So get crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was an awareness at 19. And yet I didn't quit until I was 30. So um, when I, when I did stop, I think I'd always had in the back of my mind, I mean, I'm a big, like, um, I don't know how you, it's not a rule maker, but like I'd play these, like, like even when I go to the gym, I'll go, I'm going to do 20 minutes mm-hmm. or two miles. And then I get to that. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm going to do another mile. I, I just right. make these little goalposts. Right. And I would do that with my drinking a lot. Like I'm going to this, and then that's going to be okay. And then I'm going to do that. And so I, but I had kind of a big one and that if I don't have this under control by the time I'm 30, I need to stop. Oh. I just had this, it was this kind of a, right. a, a contract with myself. And because I couldn't imagine not drinking, I couldn't imagine having fun. I couldn't imagine like just like, what do you do for fun? If yeah. you're not like, yeah, what yeah. do you do when you go hear a band? What do you do yeah. when you go to a club? What do you do when you go to a bar? What do you, I couldn't imagine it. That was my life. Not the drinking, but everything I did that went along with it. So that meant that I had to control it. Because if you can't not do it, that means you better get it under control. So I spent many, many years controlling it, which is its own kind of hell. Maybe it isn't the hell of like, well, it's certainly not the hell of waking up in jail or having, you know, hurt yourself or hurt somebody or all the awful things that can happen with unchecked alcoholism or addiction. It isn't that kind of hell, but it is a hell to kind of constantly have something that you're trying to manage. Yeah. And I just bottomed out on that. I bottomed out on it. And luckily my life wasn't going very well. And I just had this moment of clarity where I was like, I I desperately want something to change. And I'm trying so hard. I can't get a publishing deal. I can't get a band together. Right. I can't do this. I, right. I'm. A, I'm. I just felt unhappy, and I just thought, well, if I quit drinking, I just turned thirty. Right. And there was that thing in the back of my mind. And I just thought that's one thing that'll change. One yeah. thing, and maybe if one thing changes, maybe everything will change. And yeah. it did. That's amazing. Yeah, it did. So now you've been sober. Longer than not, right? Yeah, I've been sober. Well, more than half your life. Thirty-three years, but then I—I yeah. I was not born drinking. drinking. So, <laughs> so yeah, I probably didn't become an alcoholic till my teenage years. You know, I started drinking at a very early age, and I drank a lot. Yeah, but maybe I don't, you're not really an alcoholic for a little while. Yeah, you know, maybe you could quit. I don't know. I don't really know how it works. I don't think they know. But at some point, so yeah, yeah, it's 33. Um, I'll be 34 years in January. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, I don't even think about it. I mean, my favorite, <laughs> this happened to me the other night where, you know, do you want some wine? No, that's okay, I don't drink. And you can always, 
<laughs> Most people are just like, oh, okay, and they just go on. Right. But the ones that start telling you like about their <laughs> drinking, you're just like, why are you telling me this? Like, <laughs> I don't normally drink like this. Yeah, yeah. Is that what? <laughs> no, they just like start saying. Well, I should probably quit, but you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, I da, da, da. And, and you're just like, and I would just go like, well, you kind of know when you know, you know, yeah. you'll, I go, you'll know if you want to, if you need to quit, you'll, you'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, but it, those are always the ones that I'm like, mm, okay. Damn. <laughs> um, Go-Go's are going on the road 2022? Well, doing some Billy on Idol the road, it's the... like little pockets, yeah. show pockets. Like we have, um. We have five shows at the end of this year. And the problem is we're, you know, I'm the youngest and I'm 62. And that doesn't mean that any of us look old or act old or feel old, but it does mean that people are making, are more picky about their life choices. Sure. And um, so, you know, not everybody, like what we were going to do in 2020 and then 2021 that got canceled because of COVID People, that's two years that people are can get further away from giving a shit about do, wanting to do that. Right, right. So it's, <laughs> it's been very difficult to kind of like try to get it so that we don't do anything, you know, and then still get to do something. So we have five shows at the end of the year, and we have six shows in England next summer with Billy Idol. Awesome. And that's cool because it's big shows. We've never broken England. We never got to play big places. Really? Mm-mm. Hmm. It's weird. The uh, I had listened to a bunch of stuff uh, last night and this morning, and um, there's the Go Go's are so unique in the sound. The sound is unique. There's a thing of the time that's happening. The eight eight beat downstroke, ding ding ding. But that was happening everywhere. But the sound of the band, like you know, when you hear the Go Go's. Even if if it's a song you don't know from like uh, Valley of the Go Go's or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. I tried to write that in my book because I, I remember I wrote in my book. I wrote a line saying when I first got into the band and was listening to their rehearsal tape and learning the songs. What I wrote was like they were like they didn't sound like any other band, right? And I think my editor said, why? What was it about them that didn't sound like any other band? So that's an example of having. And so that forced forced me to like really have to go. And what I came up with, and it's so true, is like the blend, like the band blended like surf, punk, pop, uh, rock in a way that nobody else really does. And what I I think what I'm most proud of, of the band is the the material because it transcends it doesn't sound like i'm not an 80s fan you know people come up all the right. 80s 80s yeah, you know yeah, yeah. i don't like that stuff most of it yeah. you know i don't i don't i don't listen to it and uh a lot of it sounds really dated to me and i don't think the go-go's sound dated i think it sounds really good and it's not just the songwriters you know, we have great songs from the songwriters, but we also, it's what, it's Belinda's voice, yeah. you know, it's um, what I play, it's what Gina plays, yeah. it's the, the guitar hooks. So what we made as a collective 
is really I'm proud of it. It 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 doesn't need a lot of production value. It doesn't need singers. It doesn't need pyrotechnics. It doesn't need. I mean, we get the cheapest backdrop that you can get rent from like rent a backdrop right. when we play a show. <laughs> we get the cheapest thing we can find. And I even say, like to Belinda, like go change clothes or something, you know, yeah. just so we can do something. But all we do is go up there and play those songs. Yeah. And it's enough. Yeah. Because they're good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the band is so good. Yeah. You I'm know proud what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. That, the, the, from what I saw in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing from the side phone thing, you guys sounded great there too. Yeah, I think it did. It was it's one of those weird things if you're in a band, you know what I'm talking about, but like we did the sound check, everything sounded great. That was the night before. Right. Who you knows went up what's going to happen at, yeah. between the sound check, you know, an entire show, yeah. rented gear. So when we go out, like the my bass sound is just awful on stage and that takes you out of being in the moment because all all i want on stage is to be in the moment my whole thing about being a musician is being in the moment where i'm not thinking i'm not thinking about anything i'm just like enjoying playing being locked in knowing the material i'm comfortable i don't feel i don't feel like i look bad in my clothes my feet don't hurt in my shoes my hair, my sleeve isn't slipping. I don't want anything right, right. to take my attention away from enjoying that moment. And if you don't have a good sound, it takes you out. Yeah. So I was having the best moment except for the sound of the bass. And what's running through my mind is like, fuck, it sounds bad. I go over, try to adjust the treble. It still sounds bad. And then the next thing I'm thinking is like, Paul McCartney <laughs> probably thinks that I don't know what a good bass sound is. <laughs> Like, I know, I want to say, like, I know yeah. it's not good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's not like I think it's good. Right. And I think, right. I know it's not good. But then, as happens so many, so much of the time, is that um, I heard what was going, what was out front. Yeah. And what's going to be on TV, and it's great. Yeah. It's great. So I'm reminded, once again, that what you think is happening on stage isn't what's happening. And right. it's a drag that I let that take me out of the moment a bit because it was fine out front. Yeah. But if you don't like what you're hearing, it sucks. And Jane didn't like her guitar sound either. Oh, she didn't. We yeah, were that's, both, a- that's what we were complaining about when we went off stage. I was like, my bass sounds sucked. She goes, my guitar sounds sucked. You know, and we're like, fuck, you know, biggest show of our lives and our tone was bad. And it wasn't. No, no. It's but on great. stage it was. Yeah. Sorry about that. That sucked. That does suck. That does take you out of it. Um, you guys wrote uh, that song. I'm drawing a blank. Club the Zero. Club Zero. Zero bucks given is what I was going to say. Uh, Club Zero. Is there is there more writing and recording for you guys as a group? No, no. I don't think so. I mean, I'm I've I've always um, I'm never um, I never. I'm never surprised if something comes up and happens, you know. Right. And I think it was actually me who suggested that we write, do something for the documentary. Mm-hmm. And and uh, the producers, I think, wanted it really bad. And and it, But it was really hard. It was hard to write that way. And we're also, we have very different tastes now, you know. Yeah. Like, I don't agree with, with everyone else on what they like. And right. they don't agree with what I like. Right. So it's... 
to get that song was kind of a miracle and to have to go through that process for an entire album. Yeah. You know, we, we just don't like the same stuff. We don't agree. We all agree on what goes in the set. Right. We all agree on what we still like to play, but in terms of writing something new, like, I mean, I, I turned in a song that I thought was great. And then immediately, you know, I was getting comments like, oh, what if it went like this? And I'm like, you just ruined it. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that they did or that they're right or you're right. It just means you don't agree on music. And it's like, I don't like Billy Joel, you know? So what? It's like... All of Billy Joel or just like 80s Billy Joel? Audrey likes a song that I like called... She's the one that made me... This is my daughter that made me realize... That I, that I didn't have to not like everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she likes a song called Vienna. Oh, great like, song. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. But Vienna until that song, I thought I didn't like anything. Yeah. But anyway, but the cool thing about music, and I've, I've noticed this, is that like if somebody, if, like if you get a haircut or a new outfit and somebody goes, I don't like it, it hurts your feelings. Yeah, it does. You know, it feels bad. But if somebody doesn't like the music you like, you don't care. No. You're like, you're stupid. You yeah. know, what are you, crazy? Yeah, yeah. So nuts. it's like, it's kind of cool. Like, if you like your music, you know, I have a friend that loves Barry Manilow, and she doesn't care. This is, hi, Wendy. Uh, she doesn't care whether everyone else thinks Barry Manilow is lame. She thinks Barry Manilow is great and doesn't affect her at all. And that's how everyone is, yeah. you know? You have two friends that love Barry Manilow. <laughs> Do you love Barry Merrill? Yeah. No way. How would I not? <laughs> Copacabana? I mean, not that so much that song, but Mandy? like some other cheesy. Yeah, I like Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about you and your, I, I, you got to go, but you got, uh, you, you, you did some Blue Bonnet shows over the last few months. I saw a couple of them. We did a couple and then I got really busy and COVID Delta came raging back yeah. and people were getting sick in Austin at clubs. I got it. Did you? I got it after I got vaccinated, yeah. Yeah. So, and mainly I was just busy. And, you know, I love the Blue Bonnets. I really do. But here's the thing. I wrote this book, and for the first time, I started realizing that my entire adult and career life, I've put all my effort and energy into pushing entities along down the road. Um and I just started wondering what would it be like to use my energy and effort to push Kathy Valentine down the road yeah. and be me. Yeah. And that's kind of what I want to do. I'm 62 and I don't, you know, I've got, I'm into it. I'm into just being me now. That doesn't mean I want to be a solo artist. I right. really don't want to be a solo artist. But I like going out and speaking and writing a book or playing a couple songs and being i don't know doing whatever i can that's just me but i do look i love the blue bonnets and we have some shows uh in january we're gonna open cool. a couple of shows for the archangels oh awesome so i saw cool. that that was coming up the archangels. yeah i I'm think we get to that. do um houston and dallas fantastic so that'll be fun and uh and then christy uh who plays drums with us from la she's coming out and actually looking at houses so we might have, oh cool have her out. Like we we her. have great drummers in Austin we enjoy playing with too, but it's always like having to find right, them, right. relearn the set right. and all that. So I, I do love the Blue Bonnets and I love playing with Eve and Dominique, but 
I think that it's gonna it can't ever be the priority. I want right. I want to put my yeah, my considerable should. energy. I mean, when I decide to get something done, it gets done. Yeah, and I like getting things done for me. Yeah. That's a good. That's is a good place to leave it. All I ever wanted a rock and roll memoir is the name of your book. The Go Go's documentary is available. Like where people can, if you don't have Showtime, I rented it on Amazon. I actually got Showtime for like two months when it came out. That's what I did. Yeah. 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 And uh, of course, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is going to be on HBO. And you, if you have the HBO things, you can go watch it. Yeah. 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 I've watched the other ones. Okay. After they come out, but um. Congratulations on everything. Thanks. And it's great. Uh, it great hanging out. Yeah, always. Kathy Valentine from the Go Go's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee. What a great thing to be able to say. Get her book, All I Ever Wanted, a rock and roll memoir, available also on audiobook. Go to kathyvalentine.com for all of your Kathy Valentine needs. Get out and see the Go-Go's if you can on tour. They're still an amazing band. Check out their Rock and Roll Hall of Fame performance and induction. Watch the show, the 2021 Rock and Roll on HBO Max. Yeah, you can check it out. Anyway, great catching up with Kathy. I love her so much. Uh, sorry I got emotional in there. That was a little weird. But that happens. All right, let's, uh, let's go back and listen to uh, some more music from Kathy's book, All I Ever Wanted. Get out there and check it out. And don't forget, gang, when you're out there checking out Kathy Valentine's book or kathyvalentine.com or thegogos.com, don't forget that you can subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you find podcasts, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Stitcher, anywhere, new shows all the time. I'll have a show Wednesday featuring uh, one of my favorite producer engineers, Angel M, and also Patricia Vaughn. All right? I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving week. Whatever it is you're doing, enjoy the music of Kathy Valentine. <clears throat> Let's get down. Blah, blah, blah.
conscience where it won't let go If I can't get my shit together I could get dumped in a garbage pile 